Before we read from God's word, let us come to him in prayer. Lord God, as we again come before you in this time of worship, hearing from your ancient words of truth through the Psalms, we just pray for your Holy Spirit to continue to be upon us and that we will be open to your Spirit's words through your word. Lord, prompt our hearts, open our hearts, open our minds. Give those nuggets of truth that we need to hear this morning through this message and through the reading of the psalm. Bless all that is said and done in your name. Hear our prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 10. Why, Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In his arrogance, the wicked man hunts down the weak who are caught in the schemes he devises. He boasts about the cravings of his heart. He blesses the greedy and reviles the Lord. In his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there's no room for God. His ways are always prosperous. Your laws are rejected by him. He sneers at all his enemies. And he says to himself, nothing will ever shake me. He swears, no one will ever do me harm. His mouth is full of lies and threats. Trouble and evil are under his tongue. He lies in wait near the villages. From ambush, ambush, he murders the innocent. His eyes watch in secret for his victims. Like a lion in cover, he lies in wait. He lies in wait to catch the helpless. He catches the helpless and he drags them off in his net. His victims are crushed. They collapse. They fall under his strength. And he says to himself, God will never notice because he covers his face and never sees. Arise, Lord. Lift up your hand, O God. Do not forget the helpless. Why does the wicked man revile God? Why does he say to himself, he won't call me to account? But you, God, see the trouble of the afflicted. You consider their grief and you take it into hand. The victims commit themselves to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked man. Call the evildoer to account for his wickedness that would not otherwise be found out. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations will perish from his land. You, Lord, hear the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry, defending the fatherless and the oppressed so that mere earthly mortals will never again strike terror. Thank God for his holy word. Last year in the evening services, we focused on the Psalms. And we heard a message at that time from Psalm 10 and refugees as well. And I've taken parts of that message and used it for this morning's message as well, summarized well by the title, Refugees, but not without hope. Despite the brokenness and tragedies in this world, we continue to see God's goodness. Whether it's in good times or it's in bad times, we are able to affirm our God is good. The theme that's portrayed when we talk about refugees in this world, and even in this psalm, includes periods and seasons of what appears to be injustice. 
and even sometimes hopelessness. As mentioned today, Christian Reformed churches around North America are encouraged by the denomination, and specifically World Renew, to put time aside to highlight the needs of the refugees in this world. According to the United Nations Convention, a refugee, as Tom shared this morning too, a refugee is a person who has a well-founded fear of being persecuted for reasons of race, religion, nationality, membership in a particular social group or political opinion, and is outside the country of his or her nationality, and is unable to, or because of such fear, is unwilling to avail himself or herself of the protection of that country. Refugees are people who are forced to leave their home country to seek protection in another country due to fear and danger of their lives, often due to war, conflict, or persecution. The people of Israel were often in refuge, taken from their homeland and dispersed among the nations, fear of persecution on account of their love for God or on account of being Jewish. They were often a displaced group of people and they were often taken advantage of and even put into slavery. It's also often mentioned how Jesus and his family were refugees when he was about two years old, fleeing from the sword of King Herod, being displaced and persecuted. In fact, later in Jesus' ministry, he stated that foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Again, displaced. And we also know, persecuted and suffered. And this led to his murder on the cross. So refugees are not new. But what is new is the alarming number of people in this world that are displaced from their homes. And as mentioned today, the statistics are alarming. The United Nations Revenue Agency estimated that there are over 65 million refugees in the world, as the video also stated. And I know, Tom, our numbers somewhat are just, there's a discrepancy, but it depends on what website, I guess, and what definition we go by. But the number is about 1 in 113 human beings in the world is a refugee, or double the size of Canada. Or if we put it into perspective, it's equivalent to 185 cities the size of London. Last year, when I preached on this psalm, it was 165 cities. 20 cities in London's population have increased, or refugees have increased by 20 cities in the world this year. But we're not going to dwell too heavily on statistics. Because whether, how many numbers there are, each number is a real person. Each person is a human being made in the image of God. And God cares for each person and He loves each person. And our reading this morning from Psalm 10 affirms God's control and His love for His people. Despite a world that sometimes seems so out of control and ruled by evil. So Psalm 10, it begins as a lament. The author, as you can hear, is in anguish and expressing his grief to God. Verse 1, the author's crying out to God that age-old question throughout all generations. O Lord, why are you standing so far away? Lord, why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? This is a distressed and frustrated writer proclaiming, O God, 
Your people are hurting. There is wickedness and there is evil all around us in this world. And I think maybe, just maybe, it seems that evil is prospering. And today we may even at times feel like uttering the same words. Hearing again how many refugees are in this world. Hearing again ISIS attacks within the world. It seems that Satan and his evil schemes sometimes are winning. But through the beginning of this psalm, the author portrays quite a bleak image of the world that we live in. And the author portrays the brokenness of this world and of humanity and the wickedness of humanity. And the situation appears to be rather hopeless where wickedness prevails. Now the psalmist is not blaming God for the evil. But the psalmist does have some unanswered questions. And in verses 2-13, to as we read it, the psalmist provides us with a description of the wicked. And he describes them in four general ways. Verse 4, the wicked say that there's no room for God. Basically, they say that there's no God. So what do they do? They worship themselves. Because everybody needs something or someone to worship. Everybody worships some things. So they become their own God. According to verses 5-7, through then they put their trust in themselves. Their successes and their happiness is in what they do. And they will always be happy. They'll never have trouble. The wicked fail to understand that without God, they have no true security. Because their security is in themselves. And guess what? People are not trustworthy nor reliable. In fact, humanity has a natural tendency, it's our natural tendency to be evil, to hate God, to hate one another. You can read that in our Reformed Confessions, Heidelberg Catechism number 5. Verses 8 to 11, they can get away, the wicked can get away with anything they do. Because if there's no God, and there's no God to see what they're doing... Basically, what's good for me is good for me. What's good for you is good for you. It's kind of a free-for-all. And then furthermore, in verses 12 to 13, when there is no God who sees what they do, there's no judgment. There's no God. There's no judgment. There won't be a God to judge them. He will not call anyone to account. The wicked do not acknowledge God, and therefore they do not acknowledge any judgment. So again, they will do as they please. And really when you read all these verses and you put it all together and you just reflect on these verses about the wicked, it is the wicked who live a life of hopelessness. Because when you choose to live without God, there is no hope for you. So based on what the wicked believe, it's no surprise to understand how they behave. So here we get a bit of more understanding of the wicked people. They behave unjustly, without mercy, continuing in their wicked ways because there's no acknowledgement of God in his ways. And again, if all humanity has a natural tendency 
to fall short, we see that in our own lives as well. We too are part of humanity. We too are part of the fallen race. We fall short as well. But thankfully, and thank God, don't take this for granted, thankfully we have God. We have His Son, Jesus Christ, to forgive all our sins. We have His Holy Spirit to point us to Jesus. Again, imagine the hopelessness without God. But an understanding of this wicked world doesn't help the situation too much. It doesn't help the 65 million refugees in this world. We still live in a world where millions of people flee from their homes and their homeland and on account of wicked people who don't know God. We live in a world where people literally run for their lives. But notice that the psalmist does not stop with his lament. And the psalmist also replies to these statements about the wicked and statements about our God. So this psalm explains that there is evil in the world. But instead of blaming God, he proclaims that God is his strength. That God is our strength. God is our hope in a broken world. That God cares for his people and and deeply hurts when his people hurt. And it's okay to cry out to God, to ask God questions, to ask him why. But also know that God sees what goes on. And know that he continues to be our strength. This is a psalm that applies to the life of refugees and applies to each of our lives. Because this is a psalm about justice. And scripture talks a lot about justice. Because injustice occurs with the wicked. But as followers of Jesus, we too need to confess that we don't always show mercy and justice either. Throughout history, we too need to confess our wicked acts that we have done, and perhaps we've said we've done them in the name of Jesus. And we have to come to God and ask for forgiveness of all our sins. So when we think about justice, you know, we often think about getting justice. But when Scripture talks about justice, it speaks about doing justice. As Micah 6 verse 8 states, to act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with our God. We'll be hearing that again next week with the Gem Sunday. Doing justice is maintaining what is right or trying to set things right. And that's exactly what God is doing with this world. And he is using you and me to do justice. To set things right to what they were. So how are we doing with that in our lives? How are we doing with that in this world? Our God is in the business of setting things right. He is setting things right in our lives. He's setting things right in this world. God is in the business of repair and restoration. So in the following verses, 14 through 18, the Lord has an answer for the statements of the wicked. The psalm closes with hope in times that appear hopeless. 
In verse 14, the psalmist acknowledges that God does see that there are wicked things that are happening in this broken world. And God's heart goes out to the fatherless and to the oppressed. In verse 15 of the psalm, it acknowledged that God does not ignore the wickedness that goes on. And God judges sin. And God will call each person to account. Because our God is a just God. Whether someone chooses to believe in God or not, God's justice will prevail. It will prevail in the lives of all people. And again, thankfully, as believers in Jesus, we have Jesus who has taken all our sins upon him. Justice still needs to be done in our lives. But Jesus has paid for our sins. He has made us right with God. Thanks be to God. But the wicked state there is no God. And that they could do whatever they please. Because they're in control. But in verse 16 we read that God is king. That he rules over all. That God is in control and he's even in control in a world that sometimes seems so out of control in our own eyes. So finally, in verses 17 and 18, God defends his own people. And God's heart goes out to the 65 million refugees in this world. God's heart goes out to all the injustice in this world, to all those who are hurting, to all those who are suffering. God defends the helpless. So, where is the hope? Perhaps at times, from an earthly perspective, the glimmer of hope seems pretty dim. But God pours out his love and his grace towards his people. God cares. And we celebrate God's goodness despite our own circumstances, despite the broken world in which we live in. The refugees, as do all of us, need to continue in hope and in faith that God is in the, pro- is in the process of healing the nations. The redemptive healing process began in the Garden of Eden with a promise. The promise became real when Jesus Christ came down to earth in human form. And again, Christ too was a refugee among the people of this world. And he suffered greatly on account of a broken and sinful and wicked world. But Christ died and he rose from the dead. And we just celebrated that awesome victory last weekend. And we continue to celebrate that in our lives. And Jesus ascended into heaven. And we wait in hope for the final coming of Jesus Christ. We wait in hope for the final restoration of this world and all God's people. We wait in hope for the day that there will be no more injustice. We wait in hope for that day that there will be no longer millions of refugees. In fact, there will not be one refugee. Because those who have faith and believe in the saving power and complete healing and forgiveness of Jesus Christ will be in the presence of Jesus. We will be in our home, in God's glory, never again to be displaced. Our Lord Jesus Christ is the hope of all the nations. And he is mighty to save. And as we wait in hope, as the refugees wait in hope, yes, there still remains suffering. But God cares and he calls us to care. 
And it's not always about understanding the injustices in this world, but again, to do justice in the name of Jesus Christ. Refugees are living day to day in life and death situations. And we are geographically distant from the refugee camps, but we need to become more aware. Read up on what we can do to help. Understand what's happening around the world with respect to refugees and with respect to other areas of injustice. And thankfully, we, as a church, we've gotten involved through refugee sponsorship. But it's not just about hosting a family. It has to go farther. So how is God calling you to seek justice in this world, in our communities, in our households, in our relationships? Continue to pray for justice in all areas of this broken world and to seek justice and to do justice. To seek making things right and doing right as we also pray in hope and faith for Christ's kingdom to fully come on earth as it is in heaven. And together we say, Amen. Let's pray. Father God, Holy God, Almighty God, Awesome God, we come before you in our time of worship, giving you praise and glory for this world and all that you have created. We thank you for your creativity. We thank you for your protection. We thank you for your love and your forgiveness to your son, Jesus Christ. And yet, Lord, we know that this world has fallen and that there's evil throughout. But Lord, through the power of your Holy Spirit, work in us not to lose hope. Work in us to be people who seek justice for our brothers and sisters around the globe, for all humanity. Help us to be your partners in acting justly, loving mercy, walking humbly with you and along with your people. We pray for refugees around the world. Provide hope to your people. Provide strength to your people. Provide homes for your people. Bless those around the world who are settling into new homes. And we thank you for those who are providing places of refuge. We thank you for the Kenjo family and where you have continued to work in their lives. And we ask that you continue to bless them in this time of transition and settlement. And bless many others in such a challenging transition and settlement into a new country. Bless those who are waiting for news on a home. Bless those who will not get a new place to live. Jesus, you are the hope of the nations. And may each of us turn our hearts and our eyes to you. It is only in your name that we pray. Amen.